This is our prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, I really want to echo what Elsa said and what others have said that, you know, this is a, a season in the church where I believe God is calling us to go deeper. And it's one of the things that our um, bishop, uh, Bishop Andrew, has been talking about, about our common purpose. And this has been around in the diocese for a while, but I believe that it's really beginning to be a, a fleshed out and, um, and understood better. And the common purpose of the, the Diocese of Guildford is that we should grow deeper in our relationship with God, deeper in faith, not have a superficial faith, but a faith that is deeper where our hearts are given to God, a faith, uh, a, 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 a growth in numbers, actually, because each number, each person represents somebody who's been drawn close to God. So it is important to think about numbers, uh, but at the same time, think about depth. And then also our engagement with the community. Uh, how do we reach out to those who don't yet know God? You know, as much as I love seeing all of you here every Sunday morning, my heart aches for those who are not here. You know, those that that think that St. Stephen's and any church is completely and utterly irrelevant to them. You know, my heart breaks for those people. And actually, if it's just my heart that breaks for those people, you know, it's going to take a very, very long time for them to know. So we need to have hearts that are both surrendered to God, but also... Um, restless because of those who don't yet know God. And as you know, Becca helped us to understand just at the beginning of the service, you know, we are here today because somebody told us about Jesus. You know, we didn't learn it by osmosis. And we certainly wouldn't pick it up from the media that we worship a God who loves us, who created us, who adopts us into his family. So how are they going to know? We're going to tell them. And that's sometimes not with words. It's how we live our lives, how we live lives of integrity in our workplace, how we stand up to the boss who's a bully, or how we don't enter into the gossip in the workplace. It's those, it's, you know, Christian faith is very practical, actually. So much of what Jesus spoke about was very practical, how we live our lives. And how, are we, how is that life fueled? It's fueled by our time spent with God in his presence. And as I've talked about on many occasions, there is absolutely no substitute, there is no way of bypassing the need for us to day by day spend time with God. That, that you, that it's just not possible to be a Christian if we don't do those things. If we want to be a sold-out disciple of Jesus, then there's no, no excuse for not spending time with God day by day. There's so many other distractions that fill our lives. But yet, I believe God is calling us to grow deeper. To grow deeper. And, you know, within that context, today is Trinity Sunday. And often we think about the Trinity as some sort of uh, a mystery that we cannot get our heads around. And that it's just an intellectual thing to try and understand how can God be one being, one in essence, but three persons. You know, how can we get our brains around that? Well, the reality is, is we cannot, because how can we know the mind of the creator? How can we know the, the mind of the, the person who created us, who flung stars into space, as Graham Kendrick put it in that amazing song? So, you know, if we read the words from Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
You know, God is not restricted to our three-dimensional universe. He can be everywhere at once. And, you know, I'm reassured by the fact that many greater minds than mine, many great theologians have wrestled with what the Trinity means. And uh, here's a few, few quotes. So, for instance, Augustine, he wrote 15 volumes on the Trinity. Um, so I'm just going to read them to you now. No. Um, so he used the analogy of love. And he said, a lover cannot love without a beloved. In other words, love cannot exist with one person. And uh, that is of necessity a love which flows between them, but which is not strictly identical with either. The love that flows is the spirit, which Augustine called the consubstantial bond that unites them. A few more quotes about the Trinity. This is a good one. I like this. Trinity is a mystery, not a puzzle. Love is a mystery. A crossword is a puzzle. You try to solve the puzzle, you stand in awe before a mystery. Isn't that cool? You know, how do we understand love? You know, we could explain it biologically, you know, with all the sort of neurons firing in our heads and all the other bodily things that happen. But, you know, that would be, wouldn't that be a really ridiculous explanation of love? You know, hopefully all of us have experienced love in some way. And it's not something you can really explain, which is why, you know, all our great poets and songwriters and artists have tried to express love in a way that words can often not express. Here's another one. Um, Our salvation is not what we know, but that we are willing to be known. And again, isn't that so true in a a loving relationship? If we're not vulnerable with the other person and not prepared to let ourselves be known, then it's not really a loving relationship. We experience God in three ways, as something beyond, something among, and something within us. I, I like that. We're experiencing God in three ways, as something beyond, something among us, and something within us. And we'll think a bit more about that. The Trinity does not explain the nature of God, but our relationship with God. That was Luther. The Trinity does not explain the nature of God, but our relationship with with God. And then finally, the Trinitarian fellowship of the three divine persons is a model for the true human community, which is both to reflect and participate in God's own Trinitarian life. And really, that's what I want to talk about this morning. You know, I'm not going to give you an intellectual understanding of the Trinity, frankly, because my brain isn't quite up to that. But also, because that's not really the point of the Trinity. The point of the Trinity is that we have a God who is in relationship with himself. We have a God who is community, and that we are invited into that community. We are invited to participate in that circle of love. If we could have the next slide. It's a very famous icon by somebody called Rublev. Excellent. And this is the best picture that I found of the Trinity. And... It wouldn't be a bad thing if you spend the next few minutes focusing on that and not listening to anything I say. That's fine. But if you do that, then focus on the fact that actually that at the front of the table there, there's a space. And that space is for you. You are invited into this dynamic relationship of love, a circle of love, as Rublev calls it. You're invited in and... A bit later on, we're going to be celebrating communion together. 
we have the cup of communion there, which reminds us that this is a, a, a community of love that was prepared to show the full extent of the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus who gave his life for us. We're invited into that relationship of love. Do any of you remember back to um, school days where there was often little cliques of two or three kids and you could sometimes feel excluded from that little clique because you weren't cool at that particular time or you'd fallen out or you weren't into the same football team or whatever it might be. Does anyone remember that sort of horrible feeling of sort of being excluded from a, a sort of little clique of people? And maybe some, you know, some of us as adults experience that as well. But the amazing thing about this trinity is that no one's excluded. We're all invited. God's always saying, there's room for you. There's room in my family for you. There's room in the Godhead for you to participate and to be part of this flow. In that prayer that we, we read and we're going to have again at the end of the service, it talks about the dance, the trinity. That's another lovely way of thinking about the relationship that God invites us into. He you know, invites us to dance, to dance with him to participate in this wonderful, joyful relationship of love. And earlier, Els was saying about how God's calling us to give our hearts to him. And Deb's just mentioned to me before I, I stood up here that actually for many of us, the reason that we find it hard to give our hearts wholeheartedly to God, to enter into this relationship of love, is because we don't really believe we're worth it. We don't really believe we're lovable. We don't really believe that God accepts us just as we are. And we're going to think about that in a moment as we look at this passage that Jenny read to us from Romans. God loves us wholeheartedly. And the only reason that we don't sit at that table is because we are hesitant and don't want to sit down. We might sort of stand at a bit of a distance and think, well, that looks quite nice, but I'm not really sure I want to be seated at that table. There's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. There's nothing you can do that can make God love you less. That's grace. You're invited into his presence and into this relationship. So let's have a look at this uh, passage from Romans. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is a turning point in the book of Romans where um, Paul is really summing up in these two verses I'm just about to read, summing up what has gone before. And you've always got to watch out when Paul uses the word therefore. What it basically means is, in light of everything that I've just said, so I've spent four chapters explaining what God has done for us in creating the universe, what he's done for us in Christ, his sacrifice for us. So therefore, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He's contrasting. The reason he says therefore is he's contrasting our life before we gave our lives to Christ with our lives after. And in a moment we'll think about the benefits, the riches of what God has given us through Christ the extraordinary lengths that God went to uh, in, in being revealing himself fully through Christ who came to be with us, how he secured our uh, adoption into his family 
so that we could now be called children of God and heirs of God. So we are invited into this dynamic, transforming relationship that God invites us to participate. All of us are invited, and as we come later to receive communion, all of us are invited to participate. That's a wonderful truth. A wonderful truth. So I'm not suggesting that we don't use our intellects to draw close to God because we're called to love the Lord our God with our mind, soul, body, strength, and heart. But I'm asking you this morning just to really think about how God wants you to give his heart, give your heart to him, to give your whole self to him, not just to be sort of slightly distant and remote from him. So let's think about the, about the Trinity. We have God the Father, the transcendent God who lies beyond the world. He's its source, he's his creator. And there is that sense of awe and mystery of this God who created the universe, who is above our thinking, who is, whose ways are above our ways. But then, of course, we have Christ, who is the human face of God, who demonstrates uh, the full extent of God's love for us. We read a bit later on in chapter 5, in verse 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God doesn't, in, doesn't wait for us to sort of achieve some sort of um, moral perfection or even a sort of moral okayness or goodness in order for us to be invited to have communion with him, to be in relationship with him. He simply asks us to come, as we sung earlier. I come. We simply come to God's presence. It's responding to an invitation. Responding to an invitation to invite, to participate in this amazing relationship. So through Jesus, we can see God among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't that amazing? Through him, we have been justified. We've been reconciled. We have peace with God. We can enter through his grace. And then third, we have the Holy Spirit, the, the imminent God, the God who is close to us still, who is among us, who is within us, who is active throughout creation. And imminence is a way of describing the fact that God is in the material and physical world, that he's close to us, that he's near to us, that he's among us. But actually, uh, it's not the same as being a pantheist in which you know God is literally in the trees and in, in everything. But actually, the Bible does tell us that God is within us. We were thinking about this last week in Pentecost, that you know this still blows my mind, that the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So yes, God is all around us. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But he is in us. He is in us. And that's what God is inviting us to do, is to connect with him deep down in our soul, deep down in our very being. And God invites us into this uh, relationship, but it's not static. It's transformative. And it's restorative. And one of the ways I, I, I really like to think about our life as Christians is that God is inviting us to be restored, that the image of God within us would be restored. Because the image of God, we were created in the image of God, tells us right at the beginning of the Bible that we were created in the image of God, but that image has become marred. Maybe another way of thinking about it is a bit like those of you who are into gardening will know 
that you know often you might have a tree growing but then there might be other things that get entangled around it and sometimes it's quite difficult to tell the original tree or original plant from the stuff that gets entangled around it and our lives are a bit like that aren't they that there's there's the image of god within us but it gets a bit entangled with uh the false self the stuff that's been marred so to give you an example i hope i'm a reasonably good communicator i'm trying to do that now um but the shadow side of that is that I could become a bit arrogant and think, hey, look at me. I want lots of applause and lots of attention because I'm, I'm doing this thing. Um, so do you see what I mean? It's quite subtle that the image of God within us becomes a bit distorted. Similarly for any, all of you, you know, you've all got different gifts and talents. And it's making sure that we use those for God's glory, but that we don't become arrogant with it. And we don't become boastful about the things God has given us that we can do. So for me, being invited into this relationship with the Trinity is about allowing God to disentangle the stuff that's sort of grown around the true self of the image of God within us. Allowing God to disentangle that. Or maybe another image would be chipping away at the sort of the stone, the stuff that's around us that is not good. Or the biblical image of, you know, the purification. That as we purify gold, as it's heated up, the sort of scum is uh, skimmed off the surface. But we don't need to wait until God has begun that transformative process to be invited into the, into the presence of God. We are simply invited to come to be in this relationship. And it was really encouraging. You know, last week we had Pentecost last Sunday and the week before we had a week of prayer, Thy Kingdom Come. And, you know, there's, there's been some fantastic stories of people who've just encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. You know, someone was telling me last night that, you know, they, they were a bit skeptical about all this stuff. But actually, they just really felt when they came last week into the evening service, actually, that, that God was really present and they really felt God's tangible love for them. And it's not wrong to want to experience God's love in a real tangible way. It's not the thing we should seek first and foremost, but it is a way in which God uh, touches us and shows us that he is real. But maybe for some of us today, you know, we need the courage to, to enter into this relationship more fully. Maybe another way of thinking about it is, you know, that we need to jump into the river. You know, the Spirit of God is often called... Um, uh, the images of water and fire and uh, wind are used to describe God's spirit. And I know for me, there's been many times in my life where I've felt God saying to me, just jump into the river. You know, don't just be ankle deep so you're still in control. Actually, you need to get your feet off the bottom of the water. And some of us might remember that from school as well, you know, that first time when you sort of go in the deep end and your feet, you can't put your feet on the bottom. But just like that, if we allow the water to do its job, we won't drown because the water's got enough buoyancy to hold us. But many of us are like that. We just we want to be in the shallow end. We want our feet to be on the ground. We want to be in control, thank you very much. But I really believe God is calling each of us to jump in the deep end, to allow God to take us where he will 
And, you know, God doesn't, you know, invade our wills and make us sort of into people who have no control over our lives. Um, he doesn't do that. But he does want to say, you know, I'm in charge. I'm the one who can give you life and give you it in all its fullness. So God wants to restore that relationship within us. And sometimes, actually, just before we just conclude, um, I know for me, I've spent much of my life trying to do stuff for God. It's my natural disposition is to be an activist and to do stuff. And I know I've spent a lot of my life sort of being so busy doing stuff for God that I've almost ignored God. And sometimes we can do for God beyond what our relationship with God can sustain. We can do for God what our relationship with God is beyond what our relationship with God can sustain. In other words, we're so busy doing stuff for God that we've, we've just not spent any time being with him. And actually our doing for God needs to flow out of our being with God. And if you haven't got a lot of time to spend with God, then don't try and do lots of stuff for him, to be honest, because you'll just end up doing it in your own strength. This is, this is just so utterly essential that we stop making excuses for not spending time with God. And I'm not talking about hours a day. You know, we're not monks or nuns. You know, we've got lives to live. But we can all find, you know, five, ten minutes a couple of times a day just to be with God. And actually, a five, ten minutes of really being in God's presence is incredibly rich. You know, most of us can find five minutes to be on Facebook or to Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is that we use. So let's be intentional about just spending that time with God so that we can be with God. We can be in communion with him. We can be at the table with God. We can be aware of his presence within us. And then we can live our life in the light of that. Walking in faith. Walking in the light of Christ within our lives. And another thing that was a real revelation to me a few years ago when I had my um, retreat and my sabbatical my silent retreat, was I'd never felt that it was right for me to sort of ask God. I found it difficult to ask God for my own needs and the things that I really wanted. And then I was really drawn to that scripture where um, Jesus says to blind, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Which seems like a bit of a daft question, doesn't it? Uh, duh. Um, but actually... That's what Jesus says to each of us. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I'm here for you. You know, I'm not asking you to prove yourself to me. I'm here for you. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And for me at that particular moment in time, it was, Lord, I just need to know your love more tangibly. And God answered that prayer. I you know, I can't describe to you this. I just had this incredible sense almost of a physical embrace of God uh, just in that place. And it was so powerful. You know, God's not, God's not some God sitting on a cloud with a big stick trying to catch us out. He's not a spiritual policeman. We really need to get hold of this fact that Jesus uh, shows us what God is like. He throws us, shows us the full extent of God's love. He loves us. He accepts us. He invites us in, but when he invites us in, he sends us out. He sends us out because, you know, we're not to keep this to ourselves. 
you know, it's a very small percentage of the parish of Shottermill sitting here. A very small percentage of the people you're in contact with day by day. So let's not be complacent about the fact that there's so many people out there who don't yet know the Lord. And, you know, why do people feel dissatisfied in their lives? Well, it's because they have an ache within them to be in relationship with God. But they probably don't know that. And we need to tell them that if they want to find full restoration, then it comes through knowing God alone. And so we need to be the ones that show that in the way that we live, in the way that we act, in the way we behave. So let's just quickly, as we draw to a close, look at this couple of verses from Romans again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice or boast in the hope of the glory of God. So first of all, we have peace with God. And this is not sort of the feeling of peace, but this is a fact that because of what Jesus has done, we are reconciled with God. There's no, nothing, you know, no enmity, no, um, uh, there's nothing that separates us from the love of God when we just simply put our trust in him because we have been reconciled with God. We have peace with God. If you like, this is our relationship up to God that we are at peace. There's no, there's no sort of barrier. In fact, it's not really up. It's, it's, sort of, it's much closer than that. It's within. God's love is within us. And we connect with God with no barriers. It's a bit like, um, you know, those, have you, who, who, how many people have ever done abseiling? Yeah? Okay, oh, a few, quite a few. Now, the thing is about abseiling is that you know that there's a rope, but you still have to take that scary step backwards and your heart's in your mouth and you're thinking, is the rope going to hold me? But it will. And so when I'm talking about jumping in the river, when I'm talking about taking risks for God, I'm not literally saying you jump out of a plane without a parachute or you, you know, step off the abseiling tower without any ropes. It's not stupid. Faith is not stupid. It's, yes, you're taking a step of faith, but you're taking a step of faith into the arms of God that he will support you with his rope. Or, you know, I've talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think about the eaglet being kicked out of the nest. The, the parent eagle is, is there to sweep under the eaglet if it, if it flaps its wings and doesn't get anywhere. And so we know that. We know that if we step out, if we step into the river... You know, God's not going to, we're not going to drown. But yet, we find it so hard to do. So we have peace with God and we need to know that we are reconciled to him, that we haven't got to do anything to earn his approval or his love. And then secondly, we can stand in God's grace. This is an amazingly privileged position that we have access into God's presence. You know, I love that bit in the gospel where when Jesus dies, the curtain is torn from top to bottom. We're invited in. The keep out sign has been replaced with a welcome map that we can enter into God's presence. And, you know, one of the banes of modern life, I don't know about you, one of the banes of modern life is passwords. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're all supposed to have lots of different passwords, you know, and you're not supposed to use your mother's maiden name and you're not supposed to, you know. And how are you supposed to remember all these passwords? And, and you know, sometimes I remember... Um, I used to, my email, you know, it used to ask me every single time I wanted to get my email for my password, and it drove me nuts. Um, and actually, some of us think like, it, think like that with God. 
You know, every time we come before God, we think, oh, what's the password? Because I've been really bad and, oh, God doesn't really like me. I've got, to, I've got to sort of muster up, you know, this sort of something to get into God's presence again. No, there's no password. Well, actually, I suppose if there is a password, it's Jesus is Lord. That's it. You can use that one. Jesus is Lord. That, we just have to say, Jesus is Lord. Yes, I want to sit at the table with you. That's it. You don't have to keep remembering some complex set of instructions in order to enter into God's presence. We don't have to remember the password. We're in. We're in God's grace. And then thirdly, we can rejoice in hope. And this isn't hope like, oh, I hope the weather's not so bad today. Or I hope Leicester City win the Premier League. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Uh, (laughs) It's actually a certainty. It's a certainty. Because it's based on the promises of God that, yes, when we step out, when we step out of the boat, we can walk on water. You know, all of those amazing promises of God. That we are justified by faith. So let me come to an end. This is a a quote from an author called Myra Bly. She says, to be made in the image of God means to live as persons in community. As we've said, this involves risks to be open to seeing God in each other in ourselves, worshipping a relational God who draws us in relationship with him. You know, it's not an option to be a spectator. And people say, you know, I can be a Christian on my own. Well, you can, but it's a partial truth because our faith is a faith of community because we're drawn into a community. And it's actually how we grow in faith is by having the rough edges knocked off us by others in community as we enter into God's community, a community where no one's excluded. There's no cliques in God's community. We're all included. There's, room, there's plenty of chairs for everybody. We're all included. So we're called to sit at him with his, at his table, to know his peace, to know we stand in God's grace, and to have a f- hope of resurrection life. So it starts now. So who are we inviting? Have we accepted the invitation, actually? And if you haven't, I'd love to speak to you afterwards and tell you how you can simply enter into God's presence. If you've already accepted that invitation, are you really fully participating in God's love? Have you taken the plunge, literally, and giving yourself wholeheartedly to God? And if you have, then actually you won't be able to help telling people about it hope I don't mind embarrassing you, Rob. Do you mind if I embarrass you for a moment, Rob? Rob's been telling everyone this week about how God's healed him. Because at the um, Pentecost service last Sunday, you had a real sense of God's presence, didn't you? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And you've been telling people about it all week, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Robert suffered from the age of 21 from a condition that sort of gave him a very painful jaw and you were healed about eight months ago at a healing thing at Three Counties and then a Pentecost service really felt the spirit upon him and that's just, you know, meant you've been telling people about it. So, you know, we need to ask God for that passion, for that hunger that we have hearts on fire for God that we wouldn't just say with our lips, you know, Jesus Lord and then live our lives as if he's not. So a lot more I could say, but let's just spend the moment in quiet. Maybe look at that icon if that helps.
An icon is simply meant to not to be worshipped itself, but to draw us into God's presence. Take the opportunity to ask someone to pray for you if you just know that you have a hunger for God, but you need someone to help you. You need just God's spirit to help you. Lord, increase our hunger for you. Thank you that you call us to be being filled with the Spirit, that you, we're called to be filled with the Spirit day by day. Thank you that you empower us, you equip us. Thank you that you invite us into this relationship of love. So fill us afresh now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.